Hello and welcome to the latest Forever Blue podcast. As you can imagine, uh, being recorded just after the Manchester derby when City beat United by six goals to three. That's S-I-X in, in, inside the little brackets. Um, Could you repeat that, please? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> three. So, so one of my guests obviously didn't hear that. <laughs> three was the score. Um, so we're going to be talking about that. Guess what? For the, for the next sort of 45 minutes to an hour. Uh, depending on uh, on how it goes with my guests. Now, when I say I haven't got a special guest tonight, quite often we have an ex-player or ex-manager on today, but because it's just after the derby and I have some great guests on anyway, uh, regardless of them being ex-players or fans um, or managers or whatever, I just thought I'd get three of the best on tonight and we'd uh, dissect the derby. So just before I introduce them, um, let me shout out to... Howard Solicitors, who are the sponsors of podcast. And of course, I'm very, very grateful to them because there wouldn't be a podcast without them. So thanks very much to Howard Solicitors, who are based in Stockport and Ashton. They're online as well. They are Cheshire specialists, but they are a family law firm. So if you're going through a separation or you're having problems accessing your children or with social services and lots of other things that you could ask them about, you can give them a call wherever you are, 0161 872 double nine double nine or email law at howardsolicitors.com or just look at the website tell them you came from forever blue tell them you're a city fan and i'm sure they'll look on you in an even better in a better mood and especially if you ring them up next week when they'll be even happier because of what happened in the manchester derby i don't know if it mentioned it but city beat united six three now it's funny because when i came out of the game there were a lot of people feeling quite disappointed now if you look at the match day vlog and I bumped into a lot of famous faces at the game people like Micah Richards and Nigel de Jong I didn't get Alfie Harland on camera but I spoke to him briefly as well uh, David White and Ian Brightwell and Andy Morrison loads of loads of different people plus loads of great fans as well um, so to have a look at that and when I spoke to people after the game including one of my guests, by the way, you're going to hear from in a second. Um, Most of them were very, very excited and and positive, as you might imagine. And yet, just away from when I was recording, there were people coming up to me. uh, A lady came up to me as I was sat doing my editing, because I do my editing. uh, As soon as the game finishes, I sit on a a concrete bench outside the ground because I don't get access to anywhere warm and and dry, but the weather's not too bad at the moment. So I actually sat there and edited in, in the open air, And a woman came over to me and said, I feel very disappointed because we were six, one up. And I thought they were going to get seven or eight. And I thought, wow, come a long way, haven't we? (laughs) We're not happy with a 6-3 derby victory. I've certainly enjoyed it anyway. Two hat-tricks, one each for Harland and Foden. So let me introduce you without further ado to my three guests tonight. Uh, We have Harland, who is uh, a semi-regular on the on the vlog anyway, so you see him at the end of the, the latest vlog. Another semi-regular, or he's certainly becoming that way, is Toby, who have been quite doing quite a lot of work with um, at Thameside Radio, uh, although I don't do the sport programme at the moment for them anymore, but he's been a regular for me talking about City. And Andy has been a great mate of mine throughout. So we've got three great, great voices, three voices of experience and opinion, a range of, of different ages as well. So I'm going to shut up now and I'm just going to ask them to, to tell me what they thought. So I'm going, to, I'm going to start with the mature wisdom of Andy. Uh, yeah, he looks shocked at that when I say that. <laughs> he doesn't think of himself as mature wisdom, but that's what you are, Andy. So come on, put it into perspective for it. You've seen lots of derbies. Put that one into perspective for us. Ah, well, um, one of the best. Let's say that straight away. Um, I was very confident despite all the uh, United rebound that we've been hearing about in the press, put my money where my mouth is and won a load of money because Haaland bagged a hat-trick. So there you go. I thought it was written in the stars that that kid was going to get three today. I had no idea that Phil would just go and do the same. I think that just uh, put the icing on the cake. Going to the match in the car with my family, we're going on who's going to play today. And I was saying Grealish got to start today. He's got to start um, because it'll just be a nightmare for them. And it turned out that that was his best performance. And we could go one to 11 and we'll find 
probably half the team's best performances in that match today. Uh, and that's what matters. And the fact that we were 4-0 up at half-time meant that we don't need to really go for that magical 8-0 because actually the game's over and we've got to think about Wednesday and we've got to think about the fact that we're banging in now two games every single week in a very congested season. So the heart, whilst you know wanting to see us absolutely uh, see all of them leave, bar the couple of hundred that stayed, and that uh, we we did a you know three hat tricks or whatever. Um, I was quite happy just to watch and just enjoy the first first hour of absolutely fantastic football. And you know the end of the match, as long as we were going to win, I didn't care. Six five would have been fine for me. So yeah, one of the best, absolutely superb today. I don't normally film the away end for obvious reasons um, for my vlog. But I did film um, soon after City had increased their lead to a certain point. I think it might have been the fifth goal. Um, their fans leaving the stadium, which I thought was hilarious because, first of all, they tease City and City fans, uh, calling it the empty hat and everything. And yet by the end, the only empty seats really were their empty seats, weren't they? Uh, did you enjoy that as much as me, Andrew? I did. And uh, actually, I was directly opposite. Unusually for me, I'm not normally in that part of the ground. And actually, when they scored, a load of them came back in. Uh, so they might have been just hiding away in the bar at half time, but they didn't last long. And uh, yeah, it was quite comical. I think that, you know, after the 6 1, I remember bumping into some Reds in town and they were really annoyed that the Stretford end emptied. Uh, some diehard reds, some good lads, and they were really saying we should st we should sit there, whatever, and take it. Don't don't leave your seat. But today, I think what we saw was obviously Avanti trains must have had limited service back to London, and they needed to get on the, you know, fifteen thirty or whatever. I was talking to a couple of um, City fans who sit in the top tier of the South Stand, not too far away from the United fans. And I said, you know, when you look over there and you see the United fans, you know, how, how's that for you? And he said, you wouldn't even know they were United fans because they all wear black. Mm. And I thought, I have actually noticed that before and yet never really processed it. Why did they just, why did they wear? I mean, it's not as if they did it just for this game. I mean, for, for years, there doesn't seem to, every other team that comes to the Etihad wear their team colours. But United fans, for some reason, it, are all in black all the time. Do you know why, Andy? Yeah, there's a bit of a hit squad uh, who wear black. Maybe the other lads know more than me. Um, but yeah, so I think whether or not they pretend to be or claim to be, but anonymity obviously is the is the name of the game. And, um, you know, that's, the, that's their choice. They can come dressed in clown outfits for all I care because... <laughs> The, the, you know, the, for all the bluff and bluster you got before the match, that's what they should have been wearing. Um, it's just an absolute joy having been on the receiving end for so so many of, of the seasons, both at Old Trafford and at um, Main Road. And, of course, we've had some glittering games and they were beautifully portrayed on the programme today, uh, remembering some of the wonderful victories that we've had against United. Um, but we still don't take it for granted before. But I think, really, honestly, we are where we are because we haven't played Arsenal and Tottenham because of Her Majesty, God bless her. And I think if we had played them, quite frankly, the way we're playing, Erling would have, uh, you know, shown that he's just great value for, for money and that the other players that we brought in have settled in. I have to put a special shout out to Akanji a player of immense stature, not since Vincent Company has joined this club, has somebody shown such poise in, in defence. And I thought with Nathan Ake today, we've got another pair in there that can can cope. I mean, the United didn't put us under a tremendous amount of pressure, but a lot of balls came in in that first half with those two compo very composed and, and just settled the team and took the ball forward. And I think that's important in games like this, that... You've got players who just do their job, unsung heroes. We know what the front guys are capable of, what Kevin can do. You know that Jack Russell Silver's just going to run and run and run at your ankles for 90 minutes. We know that. 
But today, I just I just thought there was uh, really something special about that first half. Absolutely fantastic. And yeah, if I'd have been a United fan, um, you'd be having to think about what was coming in the second half. I think probably, uh, yeah, there, there might have been something else uh, better to do than watch your team get absolutely smashed. You're not telling me you would have left a Wales game with Wales 4-0 down at half-time? No, never. I've never left at any football match ever. City or Wales, and that's uh, and that, that I've watched some shit. I can tell you, in my <laughs> lifetime with those two. So, so yeah, my moments coming, knocking you buggers out in Qatar. Yeah, it's you know memories. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll ignore that bit, but we'll come back to one or two of the points you made there about Kanji and uh, you know d- different things that you talked about. But before we do, I'm going to ask the other two to give me their verdict as well. So thank you, Andy. Let's uh, let's go to the next seniority down, and that must be strange for you, Harlan, there, because you're, really, yeah. you're really a bit of a nipper. But Toby's even younger than you, so let's go yeah. to you, Harlan. Um, based on what you've seen and that derby, how does that rank? Well, well, first off, mentioning that, and that is pretty scary. I was on the phone to my cousin; he turned 17 last week when I was away in Mallorca, and one of my best pals is only 19. So to think that 28 now is seen as as well, I'm almost getting my bus pass on, to be honest. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, Toby, good luck at um, uni, mate. I started uni 10 years ago, and um, the fact you're still at, you, you, you know, you're attending uni, you're still going to the games. Um, it's brilliant, and, and good luck with everything you're doing. But, but um, no, in terms of the game, Ian, um, brilliant. Um, just phenomenal. You know, I, I said at the end of the game, can we play you every week? Because Erling Ireland is a freak, and I mean it. Um, as any nobody's ever come in. He's absolutely a freak. I mean, it, it, when you look at him run, you know, accelerate. It's like he's 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 a he's a different. He's not a human being. He's something else. You know, if you did got to the ball that went out of play and at the south stand uh, byline, do you remember it in the first half? The ball went out of play and he went. He raced for it. He he dr- drove across the box. And he went to try and keep it in and he scooped it out um, for a, a throw in. Had it not have gone out, the linesman. Put his flag out. And I just thought to myself, I was going to say it to Jess and I just moved on. There's something happened in the game and I didn't say it, but if he'd have got to it and kept it in, I would have drug tested him. Do you know what I mean? I would have said, can I actually do some doping on you? Because that's a disgrace. To, to, to cover that amount of ground for a ball that looks like it's already going out of play, just the desire to want to keep it in, you know, to not let the momentum die in the final third, for me, says everything you need to know about him. I mean... You know, you, you'd have thought that even though everybody in the world knew what he was about before he signed for us, when he signed for us, you had Arsenal fans, not Arsenal fans, sorry, United fans, don't, don't call them the wrong wrong team, um, United fans, some Chelsea fans, uh, fans all around the world that just wanted to neg us out, basically calling him or making out it was just Chris Wood or a Peter Crouch. No offence to them too, very good at what they do. He's had something else. He's a, he's a phenomenon. You've said it yourself. He can run in behind, he can come short, he can link things up, he can arrive at the back post late, as we saw today. He can arrive at the front post, he can climb on ladders, invisible ladders, and nod the ball home. He can run on a treadmill during a game at an unreal amount of speed uh, and leave the quickest defenders in the Premier League stranded. The guy's a joke. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm not laughing at him, though, I'm, I'm crying at him, at how good he is. He's that much of a joke, I'm crying at him. Everybody else is crying at him too. You think in a straight foot race with Kyle Walker, and I think Kyle Walker's the fastest player that I've seen in a City shirt, and that that is some statement, because I've been watching City home and away for 45 years, in the flesh, I mean, and obviously watched things before that as well. Um, I, I think that um, Kyle Walker is the quickest, and but now I'm just beginning to think when I watch some of the runs that Harlem makes, when he really accelerates, when he really goes for it, and I'm thinking in a straight foot race, you know, I think Harlem might actually beat Kyle Walker. Do you know what, Ian? When I was when I was a kid, I was quite nippy. Like I remember Clayton playing fields, played for a team called Chaddy Hoppers, and I remember lining up against Farmworth. Believe it or not, I moved to Bolton when I was 18, and Farmworth are a, a very good local young side now, and. They've got a good first team as well, but I remember these two lads, two bullish centre-halves, big lads. You know, they definitely weren't weren't nine when I was nine. I'll tell you that for free. They were registered, they were registered over age, them boys. But they looked at me and, and I heard one of them saying, I'll never forget it. He said, we're going to do him today. He's tiny. I was about five, four foot something. And 
I remember the ball came to me and I just knocked it round him and spun through them both, went through on goal and banged it under the keeper. My favourite goal I've ever scored in my whole life at nine years old. And I'll never forget, you know, when, when, you, when, you, when you see lads that think they've got you and you can knock a ball and you can beat, a, you know, beat, beat someone and then cover ground and back yourself and score, that's what he does. It, 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 I watched the I watched the vlog back then, Ian, with Jess just before I came on the pod because I was intrigued to see what what people were saying. Um, I like the bit of footage you got of him going getting the match ball when it was chucked away, um, and the way he runs up to it, almost bending down because he can't stand it. He can't stand up straight. He's statue doesn't allow him to. He bends down. My mate does it. It's like his neck's gonna kill him. And he runs over and he gets the ball and he's dead giddy and he's got the ball under his arm and he's like a nine-year-old kid. Um, because he loves playing football. It's not, it's this isn't a job to him, and this is a hobby. And the fact he's doing his hobby and he's absolutely taking the PIWS out of defenders in this division, the best league in the world, it's uh, it's pretty downright disgusting, if I'm honest with you. And um, if I'm honest, it would have been a lot fairer if we'd have dyed George Ross Samaras's hair blonde and got him out of bed, if I'm honest. <laughs> We'll come back to uh, to how good Harland is as well in a minute. So we've got a few different subjects we'll return to. Well, let's bring in Toby, who's been waiting on the bench. You're off the bench now, Toby. So um, I'm going to... A bit like Ronaldo today, Ian. <laughs> well, yeah, he didn't come off the bench, did he? But he's finished, isn't he? Yeah. So you tell me now, um, where, where with your life experience, and I'm, I'm guessing that probably the 6-1 at Old Trafford in 2012 is probably one of the earlier memories of the derby, but you've been spoiled at your age. Yeah, oh, completely. You're seeing this all the time. So when you are used to it, how does this rank for you? Oh, this is, uh, th- th- this today, I mean, I knew today I had a, a bit of confidence all week. I always get nervous the week leading up to a derby. Um, I'm always, I'm always, uh, I'm always, when I think about the game, I'm nervous. But this week I've had absolutely, even with United's run of form before this, I, I was, I was confident in it. And I, I, I said to my dad, I think, I said, I think we'll, we'll batter them without, without trying to sound like, oh, I got it right. But uh, honestly, I, that, that was an incredible win. I mean, I would think I was, I think I must've been nine or 10 when we, when we beat United 6-1 at, at Old Trafford. Um, so that was obviously quite a, a while ago for me. Um, but yeah, this one is just incredible. I mean, I've I've had some properly good moments. I've watched City win leagues. I was at Villa last year. Sorry, I was at the Etihad against Villa last year. You know, um, and then you have the Aguero moment, which you know, you, even though I was that young, you still remember the moment. But that was that was up there. That was that was that was just incredible. So just, I mean, the scoreline is is almost. You know, you say people are disappointed with it. You know, it's almost not a reflection of the game and and the, the, how much we dominated them because it could have. You know, the, the fans singing "We Want 10, it, it really could have been ten. The first half. I mean, I I went up to uh, speak. I, I pre-planned. I was going to speak to Andy Morrison at halftime because he was doing the commentary for City TV. And as I walked up, I saw Nada Manua stood with Benjani. Now Benjani scored. Uh, you know, at Old Trafford in that. Uh, that derby match when it was the 50th anniversary of the the terrible plane crash in Munich. And and that felt like a bit of a turning point. And Benjani sort of joked really that day, you know, saying, I started all this, you know, and, uh, and, and, and so it, but, but what I was coming to was the fact that at half time in the game today, everybody I spoke to, whether it was Benjani, Nadem, Andy Morrison, I saw Will Perry, who works for various media organisations, who's a big, big blue. And every one of us was sort of like, wow, wow, wow. That that, that first half, Toby, was just something else, wasn't it? I mean, I know the second. I mean, I, I, I noticed the woman next to me in the second half and uh, and I said, United will claim, you know, that uh, that they've drawn the second half to, oh, in fact, won the second half, 3-2. But it was obviously all over. The first half was something mm. else, wasn't it? I'm going to make a very bold statement and I'm going to say that the best first half of football I've ever watched out of any team ever for a half. That was honestly, I, 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 we, we completely and utterly, I mean, we, we could have been, we could have been four nil up after, after 20 minutes, we had that amount of chances, um, but we were just, we were so clinical and, and everything. I mean, it, you know, we talk about how good Harland is and, and Harland was, you know, he's, he's incredible and he is a freak of nature. 
But every, I don't think there was a bad performance in that team today. I was very worried when the, when the lineups came out. I was very worried. I saw, you know, there's no Rodri. I didn't realise that he wasn't, you know, he wasn't going to be included. Um, and and uh, you sort of get that doubt in your mind. And you and you, then you just go, no Diaz, Ake and Akanji next to each other. And you go, well, Ake's been good, but he's come up from an injury. Akanji's had a few good games, but this is the derby. Like, this is a bigger game. And and you get that sort of that little, that little voice in your head that's like, ah, what, what, what's going to happen here but that was that was just incredible Kanji for me he's been even in the just in the games that he's had so far this season he's been one of our best defenders this season he's been incredible you know Vincent company like 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 Andy said and uh, you know it's it was amazing to watch um Foden I mean I've 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 been I've had a lot of criticism for Foden over the last 18 months I don't think ever since that Champions League final I don't think he's He's been up to the standard that he lived up to in that season, and maybe I'm being a bit harsh on him. I don't think he came, came true, and he's been coming true in the big games. But if he's gonna if he's gonna perform like that in the big games, in the in the games we need him to in a derby, wow! I mean, what a player we've got on our hands with him. Um, and then and then you, you sort of forget about a player like Bernardo, who was just like every single game running and running and running. Every you saw him everywhere. It's just it was amazing, amazing to watch. Let me ask this general question now, um, and any of you know any of you can go in for this one, but. Um, we've seen, I, I mean, I'm lucky, I, I on TV at least, I saw Johan Cruyff, I mm. saw Pelé, uh, Diego Maradona, I had the great privilege of seeing in the flesh, I've seen Messi, I've seen Ronaldo, Zinedine Zidane and, you know, all the players. And I know it's very early and I know he's only been at City for a while, but are we starting to see the emergence of a new best player in the world in Erling Haaland? Is he that good? Maybe Andy's a good one to start off because not only are you, have you watched City for a long time, Andy, but because you watch a lot of international football, mm-hmm. you will have seen in the flesh a lot of the best players in the world during your time as an international fan, won't you? Yeah. Uh, so the only time I ever saw Johan Cruyff, he was sat on a plane next to me going to Belfast. <laughs> so I can't claim uh, that one and... Uh, Pele never saw him in the flesh, saw Maradona. Um, the list goes on that you mentioned. For me, when I look at what I've seen over the years, Lionel Messi is the player, the benchmark for me of a player who really, and I know Ronaldo claims all the numbers, but for me, Messi, uh, pace, uh, scoring ability, you know, unplayable, an unplayable player, let's say. Um, and this is what I can see with Erlen Haaland. He's unplayable. He is immense in every aspect of his game. And three um, successive hat tricks in home games. I mean, when he came into that game today, even though you backed him, and I'm glad you won some money on him, the fact is that everybody knew that he was the threat. And yet he still produced it. That's the mark of a great player, isn't it? Absolutely. They, there was no way they could prepare for what they were going to get. And I think today the other two up front showed up in a way which helped. Um, I think uh, there's been times when we've been critical of both Phil and, and Jack. And I think today they answered a lot of critics and deserved their, and hopefully get a lot of praise for it. Remember that we didn't have Rodri and Milky just came in and does what he does. You know, he just slots in and does his job. So a lot of positives there. But with Haaland, I mean, I, I had reasons I couldn't go to the first home game. And so the first game against Forest, I, I turned around and I think I told you, Ian, I turned around to my family and I said, if this guy stays fit, everything's possible. And I still believe that. And I've only seen further evidence of that today. And... um he did an awful lot of running today, actually, and he played 90 minutes. And I think because of the fact we've got that nice buffer of the World Cup for him, there's no reason why he can't play a lot of football, uh, providing he's in good shape to do that. And they'll be they'll be monitoring him, of course. And this guy's confidence, I mean, he just oozes it off the pitch. He's not arrogant either. He just knows he can do it. And the lift that I think has given the whole team is, is immense. And yeah, there's definitely a an attraction, and we see it. The, the the guys going to the to the to the matches, people are climbing over the fences to see Harland. So I think he is 
on the cusp of greatness in terms of, let's call it club football. But of course, like Messi, he'll probably never win the World Cup with Norway. You know, uh, it's kind of that, well, it's about club football. And I think we could be on, the, on you know, a dynasty now with, uh, with him leading and attracting as well further uh, recruitment to the club than, than we've already seen managed very well by, by Cheeky Pagirstein and, and the team over the last year. So, you know, Jude Bellingham, I'll just put that out there. The Dortmund connection appears to be sound. Ilkey, Akanji, now, now Erling, you know. So, yeah, I think he's a major, major uh, factor in where we go forward. But I do think he is. I don't want to get ahead of myself too much, but he's one of the greatest things I've ever seen in the final third of the pitch already. You talk about yeah. you know him being how how you define him as being a great player. If we're to believe uh, the quotes that I've seen from Alfie Harlan this week, and when I spoke to him today at the game, I certainly didn't ask him about this, uh, but um, he's been quoted, and, and as I say, I, I can't substantiate that these are facts, but he's been quoted as saying two or three years at City, and then it might be Bayern Munich, it might be Real Madrid, it might be PSG, you know that almost as if he's mapped out his career, looked at his age profile, mapped out his career and thought, this is how not only does he become extremely wealthy, but he proves himself, unlike Messi, in lots of different leagues in different divisions. To and that, that shows a measure of massive confidence in Alfie and his son and in, in his regime, if those quotes are accurate. So I'll just chuck those into a mix. I know that Harlan wants to come in, so let's get your views on. Yeah. And, and I did say when I was talking about Harlan there, and I did ask the question, clearly he's not Lionel Messi yet, that is for sure. Lionel Messi is the greatest player I've ever seen. And obviously he's got a long way to go to match the statistics of Ronaldo. All I'm asking is, are we watching the emergence of a player who can be as good and once the career is coming to the end, as what we've seen from Messi and Ronaldo and others before him. So go on, well, Alan. Well, Ian, well, it, it's as simple as this, right? And this is, this is, this is two, well, these are two aspects of, of sport in a nutshell. That's a sport. It could be anything sport, um, any occupation really that, 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 that requires either of these things. When I studied sports science and I studied the human body and the um, performing athlete, the two phrases or the two words that are used are skill and ability. Uh, sometimes people get them confused and well, he's got a lot of ability or a lot of skill and they don't quite know which one to say. Well, Lionel Messi has got skill and ability. Uh, Ronaldo had some ability and then developed his skill set to become, for me, one of the two best players in the world. Ability is innate and he's there from birth, it is within your DNA and your, your internal organs, if you want to call it that. You know, the energy levels have been out all silver. He's not learned that. Yes, he's trained his heart as a muscle, so it can be trained. But there's just something within his armory that makes him different to everybody else. Lionel Messi is a absolute, he's another absolute freak of nature. Cristiano Ronaldo, Cristiano Ronaldo is a freak of nature, but is one that has manifested that within himself. Um, you know, he's, 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 he studied his own body and he knows what he requires fuel-wise. He knows what he requires physically. He knows the demands of his performance and what he needs to do. Like you said with Alfie there, with Erling, you know, similar in that sense that he knows what is required to reach a certain level. He knows where he needs to go to reach a certain level. And he knows that he wants to go to different leagues to score different amounts of goals in different countries to prove that he can do it across the world. The thing with Erling is that Erling Haaland is doing what Cristiano Ronaldo was doing in his prime at 22 years old. And that's quite frightening, Ian, that Ronaldo at United before 2009 was never this good. Yes, he was playing on the left wing and as a wide midfielder. He played him up top with Rooney, though, in the two, let's not forget. And I never saw this from him. Um, moved to Real Madrid. Didn't really hit the ground running as a number nine. And then obviously Gareth Bale joined him later on and they struck up a wonderful partnership. And then he went on to score astronomical numbers. 
in a time when Lionel Messi banged 96 in a calendar year in 2012. Ronaldo, really, if you look back, wasn't anywhere near him in the end. Um, Ronaldo is a phenomenon in his own right, but Lionel Messi is probably the, the most naturally gifted footballer that the world has ever seen, alongside Diego Maradona, who I've seen but not watched live. Um, and obviously there's other players like Sabio and um, lots of other players that there's too many to rhyme off that, that I've, I've heard about and watched over the years. Pelé, another genius, but didn't really do it outside of Brazil, so that's a skewed argument to many. But I just look at Erling Haaland and think the, the frightening thing, the overriding thing for me is he's doing Cristiano Ronaldo-type stuff, arriving late, picking up the ball, linking things up, scoring headers, affecting certain aspects of his game at 22 years old. And the interview that I mentioned on the pod four weeks ago now, or five weeks ago, whatever it was, where he said that when he went to Dortmund, he was pulled and said, You've got, to, you've got to improve your heading ability. You can't head a football. Try telling people that he couldn't head a football five years ago, Ian, because my word, he can do everything. Mm. Toby, you want to enter our debate here and tell me you haven't got as many players in the flesh to compare with, but are, mm. we, are we seeing the emergence of the best player in the world? It's it's so it's so hard to tell so early on because you, you never know. Um, you know, you could, you could pick up an injury next week against Southampton and, and that's it. But from from the ability that that that, that he had, from what he has in in his armor, and uh, you know, we you talked about the um, his pace, his strength. The, the guy is six foot four, six foot three, six foot four, and he's able to get off the mark so quickly and run. At a, I mean, I, I personally, I don't think he'd beat Walker in a foot race, but I think he'd be mightily close. Um, and then he's got the strength and the power with it. I mean, we, we when we played Newcastle earlier on in the season, um, there was a moment where where someone put it through to him, and it was it was him and and Sven Botman, I think it might have been, or or Dan, but it was one of the two. Um, and they're not small players; they're six foot four, you know, big defenders. And he just pushed him off the ball. The same when we when we played Dortmund, and when he was playing for Dortmund a few years ago in the Champions League, Diaz was arguably the best centre back in the world that year. And they ran through, and he pushed him off the ball like he was nothing. It, it, he just makes defenders look silly. It, it, it speaks volumes when, I mean, you know, this is just reports, but, you know, when you see stuff online that the, the Premier League defenders and players and managers are contacting each other and asking each other, how do we stop this guy? We're playing them this way. Well, how do we stop them? How do we stop him? Because he's he's that good. He's He's got so much in him. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, if whether he stays, whether he stays with us, you know, I personally, I think he'll do three or four years, <clears throat> three or four years, and then he'll move on. I think Julian Alvarez is the long-term plan for City. I'd, ra- I'd obviously rather see him stay like Aguero did, but, you know, being unbiased and being, and 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 sort of looking at it from a not City fan point of view, I, I think he will go. I think he, he almost does have that plan to go to Real Madrid and then maybe onwards and have this map of the career. But, um, you know, the, the numbers that he could score, um, you know, if he if he stayed, um, if he stayed for 10 years, I could see him being the like beating the likes of Shearer's record with the top the top scorer in the Premier League. Um, I could see him doing most hat tricks. I could see I can see in the next three years him and De Bruyne are breaking Son and Kane's record of most link goals linking up. Um, they they got another one today, or t- sorry, another two today. Um, so uh, yeah, it, it's amazing. It's incredible to see. And and yeah, if, if he continues on, on the path that he is now, um, then yeah, we, we've got another, you know, Messi, Messi Ronaldo type situation um in, in terms of the player. Ian. Great um, the great thing for the club, isn't it, in terms of how they sell the club going forward? And you know, we're hearing pl- talk of plans to extend now the the uh, the north stand, you know, where the family stand is, and make that into third tier, increase the capacity. And you can see that. I mean, there is the pep factor anyway, but the Harland factor makes that more and more plausible now. In fact, almost you know um, a no-brainer. I mean, the fact that there is that big indoor arena being built just behind it makes me i can't deny worry a little bit about what it's going to be like going to and from games when there's a big concert on and a match at the same time but that's not a problem we'll worry about just now the fact that that harland is is that that box office is uh, is unbelievable harland ian the scariest part is um that's the scariest part is and it does link into erling harland a tad this is I was I, I subscribed to I don't subscribe to the French one on YouTube I I watch the PSG highlights now and again but the one I do subscribe to is the Italian Serie A 
on YouTube. Um, I think he did it by accident once when I was watching the highlights and they automatically come up. And I'm obsessed with watching Edin Dzeko play even still. Um, every time I click on a highlight package of, 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 um, of, of his, you know, he's banging goals in week in, week out. And when he left us, people said, oh, he'll move on and, and maybe that'll be it. It'll dwindle out. He's, he was, I think his record when he left us was he'd scored 50 goals in every division. Uh, he'd done it in the Bundesliga for Wolfsburg. He did it in the Premier League for us. Uh, Roma, he's done it for. Inter Milan now. You know, he's not far off 50 for them. And he scored 50 plus goals for us. I think it was 72 in total he scored for us. I think 50 in the Premier League and, and some in Europe. 12 in Europe or Cups and stuff. Erling Haaland's nearly at 20 already. And Dzeko wasn't a poor striker. He got a lot of crap as well, Edin Dzeko. He, he was the scapegoat of the, of, of the, of the day. 2011, 2012, 13, 14. He was a massive scapegoat. If we didn't score goals and Aguero had a nap, Jekko didn't turn up and score. He was a scapegoat. But Erling Haaland is chasing his record down at City. He'll bang 72 in the next two seasons, I'm convinced. And if he does leave in, do you know what? I wish him all the best because it's a young boy who grew up a City fan. He was born in Leeds, who moved to Austria and then Germany, has travelled the world at 22. Not many young lads can say they've done that, can they? Um, and his dad wants what's best for him, and I do too. And if he wants to move to who I do believe, apart from ourselves, in, in terms of the way we are playing and in terms of the way we are built, are one of the biggest clubs in the world, the biggest club in the world in terms of success, Real Madrid, uh, major success. And he wants to move there, regardless of what I think of Madrid or Spanish football or Javier Tabas. I wish him all the best because he, um, he deserves to do whatever he wants, the kid. Now, you said something very interesting before, Toby, which I wouldn't disagree with, which is when I, I because I'm in the middle of filming my video before the game and I'm pretty focused in that, um, I don't always at one hour before the game check to see what the team is. But I bump into people and everybody was saying to me, you seen the team today? No Ruben Diaz, no Rodri. Um, Grealish is starting. You know, they were throwing all these different things at me. And I, and, I'm, and, I, and I just said to them, and I know you expressed the view a little bit earlier on that, um, you know, you were anxious or, you know, you had certain question marks in your head. And I just kept saying to them, I haven't even looked. And I don't look at the team now anymore. I've stopped looking at it because I think whatever, t I've said this before on the, on the pod, by the way, yeah. uh, whatever team he picks, if he picked me and my wife at centre-back, <laughs> no problem. I enjoy saying that. Pep knows what he's doing. Doesn't worry me. I don't care what team he picks. If he suddenly said uh, uh, Edison's on the left wing today, uh, didn't see that coming. I go, he'll, he'll have a plan. He'll know why he's doing it. I have no concerns. But it was a strange team on paper. I mean, you know, you sort of think. And now this is where you can also praise praise Akanji and, and Andy started that off. I agree. Suddenly. Yeah without being demonstrative or, or doing anything that's sort of very obviously eye-catching, and I certainly don't mean that in a bad way. It's not like he does a spectacular tackle or, you know, goes up to somebody and shows them he's, he's stronger than them. He's just very calmly in control. There was one little tackle that he did, the way he spun away today, that I thought, wow, is he now our first-choice centre-back? And as Aki now moved up from being, when we signed him, being apparently the fringe defender that's been brought to bolster the squad from Bournemouth, and suddenly the two of them are together in this game, which I'd argue is much bigger than that Champions League game against Copenhagen on Wednesday. So so give me your thoughts on that, Toby. Uh, I, I can, I mean, for me, he's, just to, resp just to re respond to that, I mean, he's, he's for me, you started him in the big games now. I mean, you know, as I, I, I was worried, I looked at it because I go, he's, he's just come in, he's played a couple of games and he's looked good, but do you then start him in a derby? And, and you know, and I, I do worry, I look at the lineups and I do worry ever since, ever since Porto, when, when, he, when you look at the lineup and you go, and you go no CDM and, and that was the same today and you go, Oh, what's what's he doing? Um, yeah, but but he's he's yeah he he's been, he was sensational today. That the, the uh, I think he's almost in a perfect position because players like him, like like Gomez as well, um, <laughs> players like they, they 
you know, you, you don't need those spectacular tackles, like you said. I think you just, you almost, it's almost better that you don't, you, because then that's when the the overrating of players begins, where you know that almost like the 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 picture that the, the, almost like the, the the front cover newspaper of the tackle or the goal that you know that's that's where the overrating of players comes in when you go because then you look at him in a game and it's not it doesn't reflect that that sort of thing. Um, so, so uh, a player like him player now like he's him. coming for fifteen million. Yeah, he, okay, he might have come in to bolster the squad. I, at the moment, I'd start him. You know, I'd I'd start him against Copenhagen if if he's if he's fit enough. I'd start him against Southampton next weekend. I'd start him and even if he's good in one of those two next games, I'd start him against Liverpool at, at Anfield in two weeks. And that's a big game. That's not a nice place to go. But you could see he was calm on the ball. He was composed, and he was happy to and he was happy to play the system. And it, and it's very encouraging that he's come in and so quickly picked up that system. Um, and I don't think it would have been easy for them today either because they're so all of them will be so used to playing with a defensive midfielder. And again, they've gone today. Gundogan, okay, he's not so much of an attacking midfielder, but he's different to Rodri. Um, so it, it, again, it would have been it would have been a change for them. So it's it's amazing to see them adapt and and to, <clears throat> to um and to to fit in with each other. When Pep came in a couple of years ago, a couple of years ago, seven years ago, what six six or seven years ago? Um, wow. Wow, it seems like yesterday. Um, and in that first season, he was heavily criticised for the amount of changes he made in the game, in, in between each game. And I think he's he's almost he, he, we can we can do that now. The players are so used to playing with each other; they're so happy playing with each other. And we can go we can go off the back of winning the United six three. And I think he'll he could make two, three or four or five changes in Copenhagen, and we beat Copenhagen with that confidence, mm-hmm. with that much of a tight knit group. And he's built that over seven years, and it's incredible to see. And uh, I'm, I'm so, uh, and as I say, that the, the, the scoreline didn't reflect that result again because I thought we dominated them with a team that that was different to a last. And just one more thing as well, Grealish. I said Grealish was. I said the thing I said on on the radio um, on Tameside last week, and he was brilliant against Wolves. It that that's the epitome of why we signed in that performance, and he was awesome again today just he did he the, the that is the reason why we signed him a performance like that which was he absolutely i mean you could see the intentions from minute one he got he got diego dallo on a on a yellow card one minute and 30 seconds into the game and that just sums it up he won a free kick that gundawan hit the post off he just frustrates yeah. the play, wins the fouls and he makes those there was one point he ran through i think i think it was in the first half where he ran through and he almost scored a goal a solo, solo goal and there's nothing i'd like to see more than him do that because that's the reason we signed him and, and that's yeah toby 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 i agree mate honestly it, it was it was the best all-round performance that i've seen from Grealish in the city shirt um i thought it was very 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 sorry and i thought it was very um it was very much like the performance he put in against liverpool for villa when they beat them seven two um, yeah. When Villa beat Liverpool seven two, and he he put Alexander Arnold in in a lot of in a lot of bother. He had Van Dijk in a lot of trouble in that game as well, if I remember rightly. I think if, in that game, I think he was partnered by Joe Gomez. He was in all sorts of problem, you know, all sorts of bother too. Him and Watkins in that game were brilliant. The reason why I'm talking about this, Ian, is because that for me was, and that was COVID as well. That was that was one of Jack's better performances I've seen for Villa too. I think the freedom Pep gave him today, the the allowance of, of of space and 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 time and you know the, the the he probably got him in and said look just be a free spirit out there today Jack I'm not going to be too tactical with you you know you're going to be up against like you just said then um, Parla you know a, a player in Delor who has been iffy and and isn't really yeah. Man United's best right back if if he could pick anyone in the world he wouldn't be playing for them whereas if we could pick anybody in the world Walker would probably be a considered one um, you know and Cancelo too. Uh, the other side as well, Malaysia, good player. You know, another one that's moved for Ten Hag. He looked really, 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 really bothered. Early doors. I, I said to Jess and Paul and Matt next to me and the, the lad, uh, Louis, I said, he looks in a lot of trouble. And he looks like he doesn't know what day it is. He thinks he's playing on Saturday afternoon. He, do, he may as well have been in Magaluf where I was last week. He, he, he was moving around. He looked bothered. He was shaking his head. He was crouching down. He... Like, oh no, oh, Eric, take me off the pitch. Oh, Phil Foden's making me dizzy. I feel like I'm on the waltzers. He didn't have a clue where he was, Ian. I'm serious. And that was credit to Phil and Jack. Um, but with a kanji, just something that I think Andy will pick up on here is it's something I said to him and his his wife and the and the lad outside the ground. And that's that 
Akanji in the game that I watched him play in the Champions League last week didn't seem to have got the foot on um, way of doing it at City um, under his belt. And what I mean by that is, I know you're a fan of the way Laporte and Diaz and, and even Stones uh, become metronomic in, in defence and at the heart of it when, when they receive a ball from Walker, he's very good at it too. And after a second, Cancelo can do it too. But when he gets the ball or either of them get the ball, they put the foot on it. They don't just ping a ball forward or ping it right or left. They put the foot on it. They roll it a couple of times, two or three times, scan the pitch, decide where's best and then ping it off. Then they create an angle, they get it back. Then they roll it again two or three times. They're really patient. They pick the next best pass and so on and so forth. And Akanji seemed like he panicked the other week in the Champions League. He's had a week off, week and a half off with Pep. Or shall I say, he's been on international duty too, of course, but he, 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 he learned it. He's learned it. Today he was composed. He was doing the ball roll. He was foot on. He was scanning the pitch. You said it yourself, very composed and... And he's learned it, and he's learned it a lot quicker than I think any of the others learned it as well. I mean, Stones took a long, long time to get used to doing that. He was frantic at the start. Kanji's come in, he's mastered it. And for me, him and Aki now, can you drop him for the next one? Not sure. Andy, did you want to say something? Yeah, I think it's a red thread throughout a lot of what, what's been said uh, tonight. And uh, City's recruitment is not just about football and ability. They talk a lot about the character of the player now. You know, Pep's mentioned it as well, re referencing, I want to know more about them as a person. And I think what we're seeing now is we're starting to all talk about players in what I would call, you know, mentality monster ranking. You know, who's who's actually got it, that mentality to take us to the next level? And players we've let go, without naming names... Go on, name and name. Well, I think I don't think Raheem Sterling or Gabby Jesus had mentality uh, like that, and that's why they've been released. And I think maybe even Leroy had the same problem, you know, both with Germany and with and with City. And we, I think now what we're doing is we're bringing in more and more players who actually have got this belief. And I go back to 89th minute in the Bernabeu last year. All of us. Absolutely nailed on, hugging, we're going to Paris. And our mentality just collapsed that day. And yet, some weeks later, we saw the complete opposite against Aston Villa. You know, and I think that gap, whatever that gap is, this season we've come back from a few games. Okay? And today, we talked about the best first halves ever, I remember when we won the league, Everton at Goodison, when we banged in three and 15, fine order away in the Champions League. And there'll be many more that I've just straight away thought about some recent ones. And that's the kind of stuff you really need. You need that mentality tuned in. And it's very, very difficult to do over the whole season. It's very, very difficult. But you need as many players as you can to have that belief that they are going to make that difference. And I think Akanji is one example, as well as others that we've talked about in today's game, who demonstrate they have that mentality. And I think that's that's still, we've got to believe a bit more in them. So when someone says, oh, such and such isn't playing, doesn't matter. And I think that we'll become more and more comfortable over time when we just feel as though, there's a collective, don't matter who's on here, or you don't you stop looking at the bench and wondering who's on the bench and so on. Um, I think we're getting closer and closer to that. Honestly, we're an improved team this season. No doubt about it. Anyone who thinks otherwise, they're not watching the same stuff I'm seeing. And I think that's mostly from the neck up. I don't think it's about physical capability or footballing skill. I think it's just about the fact that we're getting a collective group of players now absolutely aligned and if only Pep would sign up for a bit longer I'd sleep at night better because it's quite obvious that he's uh, you know he's he's bringing a group of players together that hopefully and it's funny you talk about Haaland moving on we, we've hardly had a player come spend a season or two and disappear unless we wanted him to go you know there's been 300 caps uh, 
appearances plus for all the big names the Gueros, Yaya's, Vinny's, Zaba, David Silva, all these players over the years. So we've got we've got legs in keeping players here. And I don't see why that can't be true of these new players who've joined us recently. And I, and I think that's got to be the bedrock of the next phase of this project that is uh, not finished yet. Yeah, um, Ian, Ian, Andy, you make a really good point, mate. You really do. And I think I think there's nothing, there is nothing stopping early moving to Real Madrid and then coming back. Do you know what I mean? I mean, I know he started his career at, um, at Mulder. And I made a promise to you, Ian, about speaking to Espen. I've not managed to get hold of him yet, but I'm going to try and get hold of him. Obviously, he's the performance analyst at Mulder now, and he was there when Ole Gunnar Solskjaer was there, and he was just starting when Erling came through at Mulder when he was about 15, 16, and, and really kind of getting there. So I, we need to get Espen on the pod potentially, and we can find out about what a young Erling looked like and whether he was always this phenomenal as a kid and whether he was always going to be this monster or robot or alien or extraterrestrial or whatever he is. But um, I, I, I look at um, players that love starting their career somewhere. I mean, this is his Premier League career, the beginning of that. Maybe he starts his Premier League career, moves to La Liga, has a little trip to Italy, does what you, Andy, Paul and everybody else does and goes for a little European tour for a couple of years and then decides to, to come back and finish his career at City. Um, no stopping him doing that. But football and time can do funny things to players. And if he's... A couple of goals from Aguero's record. He might want to stay. There's a reason why Harry Kane stayed at Tottenham, and it's definitely not for trophies. It's because he loves the club and he wants to stay there. Um, and maybe in two or three years' time, Erling is on the verge of going to Real Madrid, and Alfie goes, maybe not now, son. You know, you, you're doing really well here, and maybe it's not the move we thought it was going to be a year and a half ago. So when the time comes to make the decision, he may or may not make it, and I think that's what we've all got to hold on to, not that it could happen, that it might not happen. Well, let's not look on the uh, the black side, as it were. I mean, it's been a, a great day watching City beat United 6-3 in that amazing first-half performance. And we are watching, in my opinion, certainly, uh, the emerging talent of world football in Erling Haaland. We already have Kevin De Bruyne, who is on that sort of level as well. So we're very, very blessed to... To, to watch all that. Um, so I'm going to ask one more question to finish off this week's podcast. And a, just a reminder that Howard Solicitors are the sponsors of this podcast. They have offices throughout Greater Manchester and Cheshire. They specialise in areas of the law that affect the individual. So it's likely if you need any help or guidance, they'll have somebody to help you. 0161 872 or howardsolicitors.com. So the final question I'm going to ask is something that um, I think it was Andy mentioned a little bit earlier on, but I'm going to twist it round slightly because, um, you know, you said, Andy, I think that if we'd beaten Tottenham and, and were to beat Arsenal in the game that's just coming up, then the league would look very different, et cetera, et cetera. I'm, I'm just, to say I'm concerned is ridiculous because we just whooped United's backside and, and just look like a phenomenal team, an unstoppable team at the moment. But obviously it's emerging statistically at least, that Arsenal are our main contenders. Liverpool continue to drop points and don't look like the, the threat that they were. We can see that United are not going to be a threat. I know Tottenham lost in the North London derby. And by the way, watch the vlog uh, about the uh, original name of the derby and where it comes from. And maybe Tottenham against Arsenal isn't a derby. But anyway, that's a subject for another day. Well, Arsenal beat Tottenham, so that has knocked Tottenham back a little bit. Arsenal's still in the running. My question to the three of you is that with these two games, Arsenal to come being off, Tottenham already off, both now being in, I know it's not a half, but the second half of the season. So we've got to play two games against Tottenham, two games against Arsenal, potential last 16 quarterfinals, semifinals, final of a Champions League, the FA Cup, maybe even the latter stages of the League Cup. Are you, any of you worried that suddenly there are too many of these big games back to back and it might have been better to have, not that we had any choice in it, to have played the Tottenham and Arsenal games in this first half rather than the second half? So we'll go with the youth this time, we'll go the other way around. We'll start with Tolby, the youth. I almost think it's given us a bit of an advantage. I think... We, we would have had to have played, I think, what was it, Arsenal the 19th, I think it was, of October. 
Um, now, whether they were still in would have still been in that run of form that they're in now, I, I don't know. You could, you could say probably yes. They, that would they would have had a it was at the back end of a very tough run for them. It would have been. But I think it's an advantage. We've seen City for for however many seasons now, in, in pretty much every single season that, that they've that they've won the league under Pep. In fact, it is every season we won the league under Pep. We've gone on this sort of run of at least 10, 12 games. We've won every single game and just run away with the league. And whether whether then we're we're 10 points ahead, whether we're 12 points ahead, 15, whatever, we've just we've not the complete confidence out of everyone around us in those in those in that run and now we've been given a a run where we, we've played united now we've got to play liverpool who are on an absolutely awful run of form i watched their game yesterday they looked absolutely woeful um brighton were all over they dominated them and then so so you know the, the best form teams you could argue in the league are potentially um tottenham and, and arsenal so now we're going to have to, we, we, we're going to have to, yes, okay, we, we, we've got to play them twice in a second half of the season. But Arsenal are then going to have their own problems. I think their issue is that, that okay, they have an 11, but they have no depth. We have the, we have so much depth, it's unbelievable. Um, and they're, they're going to have Europa League if they get through their group, of course. They're going to have the struggles that, that we have, but we've got the squad depth to deal with it. And I think we've got the better mentality. I think they will start to go on a, a bit of a dive and we will be on the increase. And we could potentially even be 10, 10 12 points ahead by that point. So no, that, that doesn't worry. But I think it's almost an advantage. We've got to put, we've got to, uh, the, 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 I don't want to say easier games because I don't want to be disrespectful, but the, the more simple games, that they're not so much bigger games, um, against our not so much rivals who probably look at some of our players, including Erling Haaland in a tunnel and go, yeah, we ain't got a chance. Um, so we've got to play them um, now and we'll avoid the bigger clubs until next year when it's potentially over already. Haaland? Uh, I get what you're thinking, Ian. Completely get you thinking because like you said, it's like double trouble in the second half of the season when like you said, there's going to be crucial games in all comps potentially to play. Um, I get you thinking from that viewpoint but I uh I have to say the strength in depth we've got especially with the Kanji and Aki flying uh Gomez looks good give the ball away a bit too much for me today I don't, don't really feel like he felt the derby as much as uh, um as Inchenko would have felt it obviously had he stayed with us but he's gotta to, gotta to learn you know he's he's still new to the squad so that's 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 fine. I did say on the blog today I didn't have a I felt like Pep made too many changes at a, a, a silly moment in the game. I feel like he felt the game was won. Uh, he probably said he didn't. I do think he that, that you know didn't expect United to score three. Feel like it affected our shape. Uh, but regarding strength and depth in depth in them games in the back end of the season, we've got a better strength in depth than Arsenal. There are a lot of youth players, youth players and younger players that have got a lot of ability in Arsenal's side, but not too many of them at the same level. Whereas we've got two players per position that I believe will stand us in good stead. Perhaps a quality rotator of a team knows how to manage fixtures and a fixture pile up and everything else. Managed the squad immaculately during COVID. Very difficult times. And if you can do that during them kinds of conditions and keep the squad fully fit, I'm sure he can do it when we have to play Arsenal and Tottenham twice in the second half of the season. So, um, you know, kudos to him for what he's done in the past and what he'll undoubtedly go on and do in my eyes going, for, going forward. Um, but Arsenal are a threat. And I thought they were going to be a threat. And if I'm honest, I want them to be the threat more than Liverpool because I grew up watching Arsenal dominate and do really well. Um, I respect that club a lot and I respect Arteta a lot. And I'm glad that Gabby and Zinchenko are flying at Arsenal and I wish them all the best on their, um, you know, on their, on their second-placed ambitions because, unfortunately, as good as they are, they will not be finishing top of the Premier League this season. Mikel, I love you. I want you to be our manager after Pep. But I'm sorry, son. You're not winning the league. Andy, you can complete the pod for this week by giving us your view. Well, I mean, totally agree with what the lads have said. Um, the worst team you want in your wing mirrors is City. And we had one season where we were, you know, furlongs ahead of the opposition. But otherwise, we've been a, a, tip, a tough team to shake off. And I think that's our strength. So I quite like this position we're in. And this can carry on long into the new year for me. I think we'll see something strange this year with the World Cup as it is. Often it's a time of a lot of player movement uh, when it's normally in the summer. I think we might see a busier winter transfer window in the Premier League. 
particularly given the change of ownership at some of the high uh, level clubs and already we're seeing sackings as well. So I think there's going to be quite a lot of change occur before we're all back into the second half of the season, as we call it. And whether or not we play Arsenal here or Tottenham there, honestly, Tottenham have been a bit of a troublesome side for us uh, the last couple of seasons, if I'm honest. Um, if you look at the stats, they've, they've done well against us. But I think on yesterday's performance, whether Arsenal got them on a bad day or Arsenal are playing more like us, looks like it to me. Um, you'd have to say that I think that all the teams are going to drop points this season much more than they would have done in a normal season. And if that's the case, then um, Blue Ribbon's on the trophy. I think that's where it's going to end up, whether it's Arsenal here, there or Tottenham there. Our points have been dropped against Newcastle and Aston Villa. You know, I think we've got to look at that and say, well, hang on. Yeah, <laughs> we haven't really played too many top sides yet. In fact, we haven't played one today. So, <laughs> so there you go. Love it, that's that's yeah. how I see it. So bring them on. Right, well, uh, thanks very much to the three of you. To Harlan and to Andy. Um, and next week, uh, I don't want to over-egg it, but hopefully quite a nice little special programme next week. Uh, so look out for that one. So obviously that's we're talking about the audio podcast. I'll be back in. If you haven't seen the, the vlog on YouTube, have a look at it from this derby match because it's well worth watching. Um, it, it, ben Gianni as well, I didn't mention him before. He's in the, the vlog too. So it's well worth watching. Uh, normally I finish now by saying my little catchphrase at the end, but these three all know what the catchphrase is. So I thought we might troll say it, try, try and say it all in union because I think everybody would uh, would agree with me on this. So uh, I'm going to say thanks very much for listening. Thanks to Howard's solicitors. Thanks to Toby, Andy and Harlan. And if you only remember one thing from this podcast and nothing else, just remember this. It's great, it's great to be a blue. Yes. Yeah. <laughs>